0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pakulski. So for many years, I relentlessly pursued building as much muscle as humanly possible. I've learned a lot of things along the way. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. And a lot of this podcast is really framed around giving you a simple solution to building your greatest body And living a life that you absolutely love. And today's podcast comes from a guy who's got just as much and and likely a lot more experience than I do in the fitness space. Um, Today's conversation is really focused around giving you some action items that you can apply to living a healthy life, a strong life, and a life full of muscle, and most importantly, fulfillment. And my guest today, Mark Bell, is the owner of Slingshot and the owner of Super Training Gym in Sacramento, California. And he joins me today from his gym in Sacramento, where we chat about uh, Mark's journey throughout his fitness life. So Mark started as a uh, nearly 300-pound uh, power lifter squatting well over a 1,000 pounds. Uh, he's then transcended into having done bodybuilding shows and getting sub-5% body fat. And now he's really looking for this uh, opportunity to become bulletproof and resilient. The term I like to use is resilience, right? Is how do we really be able to get up at any time in our life and be able to do anything? If I want to climb a mountain tomorrow, I can do it. If I want to do a sprint or 10 sprints tomorrow, I can do it. If I want to ride 100 miles on my bike, I can do it. If I want to... Uh, uh, really do anything with my kids something, and, and still be able to bench, you know, 315 pounds and deadlift 500 pounds or do these things that uh, a strong man in my eyes can do. So uh, my definition of a strong man can do. And this is one of the most fun conversations I've had on the podcast in a long time. Mark is, is a, brilliant wealth of information. And I uh, just been able to talk with him for the second time now on a podcast. I last did his podcast and now he's doing up mine. Um, it's just really a great, uh, organic, fun, informative conversation. So we're not getting deep into science. We're not talking deep about, um, you know, mechanistic actions behind ketogenic dieting or carnivore or anything like that. It's really just like, Hey, here's some tactics and, and here's what I do. And here's what works very really well for me. And here's why. And he's got a really, really good approach. And to be honest, I see massive parallels with Mark and myself having both, Worked really, really hard at what we did in the past, made a lot of mistakes. And now we're kind of realizing oh, well, this is how you kind of have to fix it. So, or at least you have to approach it now if you want to have this. Um, you know, as I quote always, brilliant mind and resilient body. Uh, Mark does an amazing job of balancing his life of, uh, you know, really, really successful businessman and a really, really fit athlete and a really, really great dad and spouse. Uh, and to me, that is maybe the greatest value of all, right? It's, it's uh, I wouldn't say it's easy to be myopically focused on one thing. Um, but it's certainly, um, less distraction, but when you've got three different things, three different plates that you're juggling and more, uh, it becomes very, very challenging. As a lot of you guys will know, um, as you start to introduce other variables into your life, sometimes something will falter. And Mark does an amazing job of balancing all those. So I talked to him a lot about that, a lot about leadership, about his training and his nutrition and just really some awesome things that Mark has to contribute to this world. Um, if you're not already following Mark Smelly Bell on Instagram, Absolutely go over and do that. He's always got something great to say. He doesn't take himself too seriously, which is the best part of it, yet still provides tremendous value uh, to you, to me, and to really anyone who's looking for some practical guidance that you can apply now. And without more rambling from me, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mark Smelly Bell from the Super Training Gym in Sacramento, California. Man, I appreciate you getting on with me. Um, tell me about your training this morning. So before we get rolling, I just want to hear about what you did this morning and just making sure we're kind of get a little dialogue going before we dive into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, this morning, I, um, I've i been just training a little different lately. I've been kind of, uh, I guess you'd just say like pre-exhausting the muscles and things like that. I've been doing these um, kind of assistance movements that I would call them assistance movements for powerlifting. Yep. Um, I've been doing those- so short- not
0: really- not really hypertrophy
1: focus just like just what's oh, the focus uh, of it I, I would say there's a focus on hypertrophy yeah so i guess i guess like years ago before i would do like a squat workout it might be uh, possible for me to do um i don't know some like walking lunges and things like that just as a pure warm up not really pre fatigue but i always found that like the warmer i am and uh the harder the warm up the uh easier it was for me to lift a little heavier without exhausting the body, without doing too much, you know, I, I had to do the least amount to get myself warm, but I still needed exercises that were challenging to get myself in the right spot to be able to squat like a thousand pounds and stuff like that. Nowadays, I'm trying to basically force myself to lift less weight. And so, uh, after, you know, rubbing elbows with guys like yourself and guys like Jay Cutler, um, and lifting with like Mike O'Hearn it's very simple, you know, go do a bunch of lat pull downs, go do a bunch of bent over rows, uh, do one arm dumbbell rows and then hit a deadlift. And now like you're forced to use less weight, but you're still going to get a great result from doing those deadlifts and, uh, maybe even, uh, you know, get a little more hypertrophy out of the training than maybe you normally would. So just a different way of doing things. So this morning I did, um, supersetted, uh, leg press leg extensions back and forth and uh, we have those uh, prime machines that you uh, suggested to us yeah yeah. and we're doing that kind of uh you know triple set where we're using the three different cams on there and so it's just brutal and we did about four or five sets of that and then we did sumo deadlifts from there and uh because you know we did so much work beforehand i could only handle 425 on the sumo deadlift uh, we had bands on there as well did a set of five and that was good on that and then you know, moved into some other exercises, end up doing some uh, squats. And then we finished off the workout with, um, some tire flips and basically like a CrossFit style workout. So I'm kind of blending a bunch of stuff together. I'm blending powerlifting and, uh, bodybuilding and CrossFit together. Um, the one issue I have right now is like, I just simply don't feel like being on a diet. I'm sure you've been there many times in your life (laughs) and, uh, I do need to be a little bit lighter in order to perform these CrossFit workouts a little bit better.
0: So what's your primary goal right now? Is it just like, I want to have fun in my workouts. I want to be fit or I want to, I want to implement discipline or is there actually a specific goal?
1: Yeah. I just want to have a lot of fun in the workout and, uh, I want to kind of like let the next goal just come to me. Like it'll just, you know, it'll just hit me, you know, when, when the time's right, I am really shitty at these CrossFit workouts. My conditioning is not very good. And um, before that, I was working on like some running and stuff like that. And I brought some of the running up, but, you know, I brought the running up and then I tried some CrossFit style workouts and I'm just so bad at them. I'm like, okay, well, there's some holes in my game here. I'd like to figure out a way to kind of bring some of these up. And I've been messing around with some yoga as well. And uh, I'd like to maybe get into some some Jiu Jitsu. I want to just kind of patch up some of these, uh, parts of me that, uh, just don't work very well. So something like really funny.
0: So I don't know how old you
1: are, man. I don't
0: know how old you are, but I talk about this all the time is this idea of like building resilience, man. Cause I don't want to be, I don't need to be able to squat 700 pounds anymore. I don't need to be able to bench press 500 pounds. I I just want to be able to do anything I want when I want to do it, whether it be with my kids or with my buddies, or if someone's like, Hey, let's go climb a mountain or Hey, let's go ride our bike for a hundred miles. Like, okay, let's go. Right. This idea of being bulletproof
1: right that, that's that's pretty much it and also you know having a standard too to not let slide you know like i i don't want to you know do so much of this stuff that i can't bench 315 you know right I mean? so i have like certain numbers in my head i'm like you know i don't want to you know have have a go so far to, towards this conditioning side that i lose sight of like that's part of me that's part of who i am and for you you know it's part of who you are too the iron game is a huge part of us and you know keeping your legs and, and keeping uh you know, some of your bodybuilding physique and some of those gains you got over the years, it's important. It's, it's like, it's literally part of you.
0: Tell me about yoga, man. How did that come up?
1: You know, I've been thinking about doing yoga for a really long time. And, uh, I just, I kept walking by this place, uh, in downtown Davis and, um, I was like, you know what? You keep walking by the place and you're always talking about it and you're always encouraging people to do new things. And that is one thing I really do like about social media is it kind of puts you on the hook for stuff when you start to talk about stuff and you encourage people, hey man, you should try new things. Hey man, you should get in the gym and and here you are telling people what they should do and you're not uh, following your own uh, instincts and your own intuition. And so I was like, we need to just stop talking about this and you just go in there and, and get it done. And so, yeah, I've been for the last... Um, it's probably been about three months now, four, maybe four months, that I've been uh, doing some yoga. Unfortunately, I don't do it as much as I should, but I do it about once a week. Yeah. And um, I suck at it. I, I have every bolster <laughs> that you can think of. Those people that aren't familiar with with uh, yoga, you take basically like these pillows and you kind of line them up so that you're not – you're in like a stretch position, but you need to be able to relax, at least the type of yoga that I'm doing. Yeah. It's kind of more like a yin yoga where you you are trying to relax. We're not really trying to force positions. We're trying to get into a position and hold it for several minutes. Now, those of you that aren't flexible, if you hold a position where you're really, really tense and you're grinding your teeth together, that would probably not be very productive. So therefore, they have you kind of line up these bolsters or pillows to, uh, to try to relax your body. You know, just a simple example is like for us big guys, you just even lay on your back and put both arms to your side a lot of times your wrists don't even touch the ground, which they should. So in a position like that, they might just put some pillows kind of under your wrist, but also have you in a little bit of position that's giving you just like at least a mild stretch. And it's been a lot of fun. I need something to calm me down. I love to train. I love to I love to work. I love to be creative. I love to think of stuff. And so I need something to kind of shut me down. I'm not going to shut myself down. So
0: and I tell people I, I've been doing yoga for a couple of years now and uh, I try to do it three times a week. And I, I tell you, the performance benefit was very unexpected to me, right? Like, I don't know if you take this mindset into to yoga, but for me, I go in with this objective of one, being able to calm my mind in these incredibly uncomfortable positions, right? So get as you say, you can't grit your teeth and, and grind through it like you would on a squat. It's like, how do I literally learn to relax my body while still keeping enough tension in my muscles? to, um, improve stability, right? Because, you know, for me, yoga isn't about stretching. Yoga is about connecting my body with my mind and, uh, improving my stability. So I've seen a tremendous increase in stability of my hips, uh, stability of my spine, mobility of my spine and my shoulders. And it's been, um, massive for me as far as being able to maintain these strengths, the the feats of strength that I've been accustomed to while being significantly smaller. Cause you know, ultimately strength is dependent on stability, right? So if I can improve my stability, even if I am losing muscle, it still allows me to maintain relative strength.
1: No, absolutely. I found it to be tremendously beneficial. And even just, um, I don't mind getting a little weird. I don't mind, uh, you know, the different, like they might like read a poem or they might like, they're going to read you something from, uh, these are all, things. these are all things I probably wouldn't, uh, explore, uh, on my own, but I'm open to it. You know, I, it, um, it's working for me. It makes me feel good. makes me feel better. Uh, a lot of it is stuff that I'm kind of like almost thinking in my head, like, why does somebody need to hear that? But for me, uh, I got to think about like the way that I grew up and I got to think about the family that I grew up with. And I've, I've always had tremendous support. So, uh, I don't really need to tell myself that I'm good enough for something, or I don't really need to have, Necessarily like these affirmations because I've always had a lot of love. I had I've had a lot of hugs. I've I've been told that I've done a good job, and you know, I've, all these things by my parents are super supportive of everything. So I do think that that um, even though some of these things aren't always landing on me the best way, I am open to receiving them. And I think that a lot of the people in the class uh, need to hear some of these things because maybe they maybe they're coming, maybe they just have a different life than I do. Maybe they have a different uh, outlook and perspective on life super cool, man. So what, what I
0: really wanted to focus on today was, are you still following a carnivore diet for the most part, or are you getting a little off that?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I love the, uh, carnivore diet and it's something that I implement, uh, whenever I find myself, uh, you know, going, going too far, you know, one way with other foods. But, uh, right now I've kind of brought back in a bodybuilding style diet. I was just kind of thinking to myself, uh, the other day I was like, you know what, you're just, you're in this constant state of like trying to lose. And I've, but I've been wanting to weigh 230 and I've messed around with some fasting and I did weigh 230, but, um, you know, that was just during the fast, which obviously is not an accurate, uh, 230 pounds. I would like to be a little bit lighter, but I'm like, there's no rush for any of this. So I brought back in the bodybuilding, uh, style diet, which is just, there's more carbohydrates in there, um, a good amount of protein and the fat is, uh, not, not substantial. You know, the fat's like, I don't know, hundred grams a day or something like that. I'm not really tracking it, but I'm just trying to eyeball it all. And, uh, so for right now, no, I'm not on a, uh, carnivore diet. Um, I'm trying to kind of maintain and and hold muscle and try to basically just fuel these workouts, these workouts of today's workout was nuts. It was crazy. Like we flipped a tire and we, we did the, uh, Uh, the rower. We did a bunch of crazy CrossFit stuff after the workout. So I'm trying to basically give myself enough fuel for these workouts, but not so much fuel that it makes me fat. And you did this at 5 a.m. this morning, super early. Yeah. um, I get to the gym usually at about like four o'clock. Yeah. Between four and 4.30 every morning. Wow. And what do you eat before you train? Uh, A lot of times I don't eat anything. It just, uh, it kind of depends. Depends on depends on, you know, what I want to do. Sometimes I'll mess around with some fasting. I've, I've also messed around with some, uh, fasting where I have some liquid in there as well. Like I have a post-workout shake with protein and carbohydrates. And I know some people are like, that's not a fast for me. Like I don't necessarily only do fasting for like autophagy and all these other things. I, a lot of times we'll just do it simply to partition out the calories. Um, being a former fat kid, I love to kind of stuff myself. I love to fill myself up with a good amount of food. And so um, even just any form of fasting, even if it's just four hours or six hours seems to be highly beneficial for me, not necessarily in terms of health and not necessarily in terms of like it's burning fat or doing something magical. It's not Um, you know, making me make a bunch of ketones or anything crazy. But again, it's just, uh, kind of rationing out where I'm going to put my calories. And so sometimes I might, uh, not eat before I train, I might train fasted and then have a protein carb source, uh, post-workout or even intra-workout. And then I might go, you know, four or five, six hours until, you know, my next meal. Sometimes I'll even follow up the post-workout shake with another carb protein source. It really just depends On um, I'm just trying. I guess what I'm trying to say here is I'm just trying to be like less hard on myself. You know, like you know this from bodybuilding. It's like man, you can sit there and rip your part, rip yourself apart all day. Especially you, you're IFBB pro. You know, getting on that stage and being as lean as big as you were, you're gonna always think you look like crap compared if you're comparing yourself to that photo. You know, and you're comparing yourself to your absolute best shape. But there's other things to consider too. It's like. I don't know, like how well did you function when you were on stage like that, you know? And totally, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it, there's there's all kinds of uh, of things to kind of think about in, in those terms. And I want to be able to, like you said earlier, I want to be able to perform well. I want to be able to look good, and I always want to be, I guess, just a few weeks out from uh, being able to to tighten everything up and gain everything back if I if I feel like it. That, that's a really uh, cool power to have, to be able to say, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to shred up. I'm going to lean out or I'm going to get bigger and I'm going to go bench 500 pounds. So it, it has, feels good to have the willpower in place and to be able to implement a discipline at any time. The only problem with that is you kind of put stuff off and you're like, ah, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll lean out like in a few weeks it's not <laughs> a big deal, and then you kind of totally. go off your plan. So, so it's, um, a little give and take with it, but that's, that's kind of where my mindset's at right now.
0: Have you followed, I know you've been a, an advocate of carnivore, but have you followed a ketogenic diet as well or predominantly just um, carnivore?
1: Yeah, I love, I love the ketogenic diet. You know, I've been on, you know, I'll just call it a low carb diet just to simplify it a little bit. Cause yeah. I think, you know, they're synonymous with each other. I think in, in the way that we talk about them usually, cause it, I, you know, I haven't been a person that really goes after trying to like measure the ketones and you know, dumping a bunch of oils on things. And I I have messed with that stuff. I have used MCT oil and coconut oil and tried to add butter to everything. And I played around with that. And I even lowered the amount of protein I was taking in. I, I did a bunch of stuff like that, but I didn't like the way I didn't like the results I got from a mental standpoint. I felt really good. Uh, from a physical standpoint, it's hard for me to really describe, but, um, I just got like stringy looking. I didn't have like a pump. I didn't have like veins. I didn't have kind of a, a full look, I guess a bodybuilder might say. And I was like, ah, that that doesn't really look impressive. And so when I brought protein back in and just kind of lived like a low-carb lifestyle, that was uh, highly beneficial to me. And um, I really just, it's very similar to a ketogenic diet. Uh, just most of the time, ketogenic diets, people are eating a larger percentage of fat a little bit lower percentage of uh, protein, but the carbohydrates are the same. There really isn't any. And I've always loved those style of diets, gotten huge benefits from them, but just to try to clear things up a little bit, just because I like a ketogenic diet, uh, doesn't mean that I think it's the most effective thing. If you're somebody that is trying to gain like muscle mass, I don't think, I don't think a regular ketogenic diet makes a lot of sense. I think that some sort of carbohydrate cycling of some sort might make more sense or even just a bot like it's hard to refute what bodybuilders have done it really is it's like let's just not let's just not even bother it's there's so much proof there with with high high amounts of carbohydrates normally for most most of the bodybuilders high amounts of protein And very moderate to low amounts of fat have really worked really well in terms of Mm -hmm. trying to achieve that physique. Now, however, if you're listening to this podcast and you're just like, man, I need to just get my shit together. I need to lose 30 pounds. I need to lose 70 pounds. That's where I think a ketogenic diet really has a big advantage over other diets, is because once you have the carbohydrates in there, it seems to be a cycle that a vicious cycle that you can't get out of. And once you, for me anyway, If I have like rice in there and I have potatoes in there, it sends a kind of trigger to my head as being a power lifter to, to just kind of be like, screw it, man. I'm just going to eat big, (laughs) eat big, get big, lift big. Right. And, uh, so you kind of just get that mindset of, yeah, what's the difference? Okay. I'll have a Snickers bar at the end of the night and I'll have, you know, ice cream or pizza and it kind of sends me in the wrong direction. So, um, ketogenic diets can be really beneficial. I just think that when people, when a lot of the keto people are talking about carbs, they're usually talking about these crappy carbohydrates that have carbs and fat as combination. And those are things that we're just going to tend to overeat on. You got like, you know, pizza, ice cream, these things, they taste great. And, um, you know, good luck trying to have control over some of those foods. So, uh, anyway, I love ketogenic diets. I've been using them since like the mid nineties, But I always just use a ketogenic diet or a carnivore-style diet just as a way to, like, reset. And if it's time for me to mess around with bodybuilding and be as jacked and and as tan as possible, I will actually just utilize a bodybuilding diet or uh, take even, like, a low-carb diet, drop a little bit of the fat out of it, and bring the carbs up, even, like, 100, 150 grams of carbs a day, which is not an enormous amount, as you know.
0: Hey, guys, I interrupt this podcast to bring you a message from me and the Muscle Intelligence Nation, the MI40 Nation. Uh, we are launching a new ketogenic muscle building program coming up, and you may have heard me say that in a few previous podcasts. We are now live at muscleintelligence.com keto. It's not for the program itself, but what I want to give you guys is a document that is the five reasons why you're not building muscle on a ketogenic diet created by myself and the great keto leader possibly the greatest keto leader right now, Danny Vega, who's a great friend of mine, lives in Tampa, and uh, amazing, amazing athlete, amazing human being, and brilliant guy. If you don't know Danny, um, you should. And him and I sat down together and shared thoughts and shared insights and trained together for 12 weeks to prepare for this program. And we looked at all the things that people are doing wrong in a ketogenic diet when they're trying to build muscle, right? So we're trying to build muscle. Sometimes people believe, well, can you on a ketogenic diet? And and, well, we're going to tell you in this document, and most importantly, we're going to tell you that you can, and here's how you would do it most effectively. Danny ended up putting on a tremendous amount of muscle during this phase. Uh, you know, having obviously come over to train with us for the first time, uh, training with the muscle intelligence way, his body responded insanely well. Um, he's since decided to kind of shift away from the muscle building and shift more into jiu jitsu, but he still looks absolutely incredible. He still he stays lean all the time with that consistent ketogenic diet. But when he trains, he's got a few strategies and tactics that you can apply immediately to helping you build muscle, helping you recover, helping you stay focused, helping you most importantly feel amazing, look amazing, and live an amazing life. And uh, if you guys head over to muscleintelligence.com slash keto, you can get that there. So that's just a free ebook. You guys can grab that anytime. Um, just drop us your email, no strings attached. Just go over, grab that asset from myself and Danny Vega. And I hope you guys appreciate that. And let us know if you have any feedback. Enjoy the rest of the show with Mark Bell. I think it's important for the listener to know that it's a continuum, right? So a lot of listeners tend to polarize themselves and go, either I'm keto or I'm high carb. And it doesn't need to be that way, right? Like you've experienced massive benefits from a ketogenic diet. But as you said, your performance is probably going to suffer a little bit. But, um, you know, and then you look at a bodybuilder and go, these guys are eating very high carbohydrate. Well, that's true. But they're also very jacked. They're also very good at training. They have tons of muscle. They're probably genetically very blessed to use carbohydrate. And not everyone has that genetic, those genetics or that ability to do that work. So it it has to be a continuum everywhere in the middle, right? So if, if someone's looking to lose body fat or just feel really great cognitively, well, the ketogenic diet is an amazing, amazing tool. Whereas if we're trying to build muscle, there needs to be a progression somewhere from like, hey, it doesn't need to be zero carb. Maybe we go to 120 grams of carbs today and then we'll go to 200 and then 300 and 400 and progress your way up as your body improves its ability to use it, right? And, and you know, rather than being this polarizing view of like it's either keto or it's high carb, it, it, you know, people get out of this mentality of, of um, it just has to be one way or the other.
1: I think really simply too, your metabolism is gonna change a lot. You know, yeah. if you, if you've been dieting for a while and, uh, you started to lose some weight, you started to get some momentum, then, uh, odds are that statement that you made about yourself saying that you can't handle carbohydrates is probably not necessarily true anymore. Right. If you know, you've lost 50 pounds, you lost 20 pounds. I would also say though, too, that in my opinion, somebody that has really struggled with diets in the past, I do not think that there's a better diet than a ketogenic diet. I don't think there's a better diet than like a carnivore diet. I do really, I feel very strongly about that just because not only the results I have, I'm not saying you can't get results any other way. It's just the results that I've gotten and the results of a lot of the people that I've helped. If I just tell somebody to sit, it's just the easiest way to get the message across. Yes, I understand that calories matter. But if I just tell you, look, man, we just need to dump out a macronutrient. Now, which macronutrient are we going to dump out? Protein doesn't have any play. There's not a lot we can do with it, at least, you know, as as far as my knowledge is concerned. I do realize some people will do, they'll fast off of protein and they're trying some different things, but I don't really think that there's a lot of great uh, information on that yet. Protein is pretty stable. You're going to eat a gram of protein per pound of body weight-ish, give or take some, right? Now we have a choice. What are we going to cut out? we Are going to cut out carbohydrates or are we going to cut out fat? Because we do have to account for calories. And when you start to kind of think about that, how, how can you live the, how can you live day to day the most conveniently, uh, and still be able to maybe go out to eat here and there and do some of these things, uh, that we like to do socialize. I just don't, a low fat diet, (laughs) uh, it's hard to find like low fat things at restaurants and it's hard to, you're, you're going to get screwed over by some, uh, you know, cook that's getting uh, minimum wage. She's going to be putting oil in your, you know, hash browns or oil in your potatoes or your on your steak or whatever. It's like as a, like bodybuilders don't go to restaurants. You know, if you're if you're an IFBB pro, you know better. Like you, you're not going anywhere unless you actually see the person cook something. It's like, I, I, I'm not, it's not worth the risk. I got contracts with supplement companies and like my ass is on the line. I got to do better than I did last year. And you would never in a million years even consider that unless you saw them actually cook it in front of you. So I think for some of those reasons, I realize not everyone's goal is to get on a bodybuilding stage, but even just in terms of weight loss, I think in my opinion, it's a lot easier to go. I could eat at Denny's. I could eat at a jack-in-the-box. I can eat at In-N-Out Burger. I could eat anywhere in the world if I'm on a keto, well, almost. You can eat just about anywhere when you're on a ketogenic diet. Any of these kind of standard American uh, chains, um, Applebee's, you could always get a steak. It, it, it's like there's, a, there's a, some form of fatty food there every, almost in every restaurant. Uh, trying to get a low-fat option. Is just going to be that much harder. So, in my opinion, uh, that's one of the huge advantages of, of being on a ketogenic diet. The other thing is, you know, stabilizing that blood sugar. I'm not going to get in a big debate about insulin and everything else, but I I've noticed for myself personally as well. When I tend to eat sugary things, it makes me want to eat sugary things again, and they come and they go, and they're not nutrient dense. They're not really providing my body with what I really need, and so I'm never really satisfied. You like, why is it that you um, eat like a peanut butter cup and then you just want another peanut butter cup? But if you ate like four pounds of steak, you're not like, oh, I'm still dying for more steak. You know, if you if you're eating candy or ice cream or pizza, it seems like it's never ending almost till you get to the point where you're almost going to like pop.
0: Interesting, man. I just, you know, speaking to that, I discovered a ketogenic diet when I was competing as a bodybuilder, because as you say, as I'm traveling throughout the world, I had a really hard time finding clean carbohydrates. Like it's really easy to find protein relatively. It's really easy to find fats. Um, but as far as good sources of, of carbohydrate, like a sweet potato or, or rice or like really anything, it's next to impossible. Right. So that's when I started eating ketogenic. Cause I was like, well, I know I can get like beef jerky and some nuts, or I know I can get a, a steak and a salad or some vegetables with some butter on it. Right. And that was just kind of by necessity, man. Cause you, as you say, it's impossible. Even rice, you go to, to a, you know, a Japanese restaurant and ask for rice. It's usually got oil in it. It's usually got sugar in it. And you're like, well, I can't eat this. Like, give me something that's healthy. Right. And that's where oftentimes you're absolutely right. It
1: does come out of necessity. Yeah. I, I and I've, uh, like I said, I've been kind of messing around with those diets for such a long time. It's, it's really, uh, it's really just kind of helped, uh, rein everything back in. You know, I have a tendency to, you know, I still, I still love sweets, you know, it's like a weak spot for me. And so a lot of times, like once I'm done, I don't know why, but once I'm done with dinner, I almost always want sweets. It's like something that is kind of ingrained in me probably from the powerlifting days of weighing 330 pounds. I'm li- living there with you, man. <laughs> yeah. I, as soon as I, and I, I'm sure a lot of other people get this too. And I've kind of heard different yep. reasons on why these things happen. I guess the body's kind of, looking for some sort of homeostasis when you have something salty, it wants something sweet. I don't really know. I just, I just chalk it up to me being fat (laughs) (laughs) basically. Um, and so like I have to figure out ways to kind of like cure it, you know? And so sometimes it's, uh, like a protein shake, you know, sometimes it's a protein powder mixed in yogurt. It's just some sort of weird, uh, you know, bodybuilding concoction to, uh, to try to starve off the fat guy in me, maybe a quest bar, maybe a quest cookie, you know, so, just something like I, I'm a sucker for those things. And like, there's still not, there's still not, you know, an accurate depiction of what, what I should be doing hundred percent. Um, but I'm like, you know what, if I can, if I can reel in a seven or an eight every day in terms of my nutrition, then I, I'm, I'd rather play that game and, and be on that path. Than try to reel in you know tens every day for like three weeks and then really fall off the wagon and not have anything sustainable. It's funny, I'm living the same life, man. For for so long, you know, I'm sure you, you and I were
0: probably the same in weight. Like I was up to 320 at one point, and you're always having you're always having to eat uh, almost a failure, right? Like you're eating, you're training to failure, eating to failure. Um, so if I'm not satiated, I'm like, oh, you know, my brain starts looking for more food. Um, but the same idea after, after a meal, I'm like, okay, well, what else can I eat? You know, it's will just, I've reverted to, as you said, protein powder and berries is like always my go-to. I've always got frozen blueberries in the freezer. I'm switching up that way. So what I want to ask you, man, is, um, you and your brother were doing a low carb movie. Is that still happening? Have you guys finished that up? Where are we with that?
1: Yeah, we're still working hard on it. Actually, we, um. We uh, we're bringing in, uh, Kurt Ingford, who's, uh, worked on a lot of, a lot of big time, uh, documentaries and, uh, he's actually helped a lot with uh, bigger, stronger, faster with my brother in the past. And so I think he comes out here this week. Uh, we have a lot of interviews that have been done. We've interviewed some of the best in the world, um, when it comes to nutrition and, you know, it wasn't really set out to necessarily be like low carb, but it just seems like, It just seems like in terms – again, in terms of like if we're trying to chalk up a bunch of different things in one category like convenience, health, it just seems like teaching people to eat less carbs because there's so many companies making so many different foods that taste really good that have combinations of carbohydrates, salt, uh, sweetness, fats, things like that you know, things like Doritos and all the different, uh, hyper palatable foods, right? Yeah. All these hyper palatable foods are all over the place and they don't really fill us up. And it's the stuff we always reach for. So it, it seems like from all the experts that we've talked to, it's like those, you know, we, the easiest message to try to teach people is like, let's try to stay away from a lot of that shit. And we already know, we already all know that, Um, but it's going to be something that can really help empower a lot of people and give them options towards, you know, what else could they do? So that's what we're trying to work out right now is we're trying to keep the movie as simple as possible. You know, what, what makes people fat, what has made you fat? And then what could you do rather than should, like, what could you do? Like here, here's some options on what you can do. Uh, whether you choose to mess with it, whether you choose to do it or not. That's kind of uh, kind of up to you, but here's the information. Here's how here's how it's seen by a lot of these experts, and here's how obesity has affected our family and impacted our family. My dad's been heavy uh, my my whole entire life. My mom's been heavy my whole entire life. Um, she's she's been heavy almost her you know her entire life, even when she was young. And you know we're gonna go through a lot of that and see how that's impacted. <laughs> I've been really fat. My brothers have both been really fat. A lot of our family has been really fat. My uncle, I saw him at my dad's 70th birthday party, and he's in hes in pretty good shape. Um, he's probably in his 60s. And he said something. And it's so funny because people that like aren't in our space, they say the coolest thing sometimes. They say stuff that's got so much wisdom behind it. He, I said, Hey, I said, I said, Peter, I said, you look great. Like, what do you know, what have you been doing? He goes, I've been doing everything because being in shape is a full-time job. And he just walked away and I was like, damn, bro. Like he just (laughs) hit it right on the head. So it's, you know, here's, you know, yourself and me and these other podcasts, we're trying to teach people to do something that's really hard and we're trying to simplify it for them. But the truth of it is, is it is hard and it is a, um, it might seem easy to us because it's easier than what you used to do, but it's really difficult. It's difficult to abstain from uh, the foods that we're used to eating. It is so hard, and to just try to. What I'd like to try to teach people is like let's let's give you some strategies. Here's a bunch of different stuff that you can try to use, um, and hopefully we can just get you to where you can go from one meal to the next. Like just just think about that one meal. You know how does this how does this meal help? Has this hurt? Hopefully you have the information to understand like what the meal can do for you um, and what it could potentially, you know, not do for you or, or how it could even potentially uh, hurt you, you know, stuff like that and, and how to strategies, you know, in the home uh, of how to, you know, eat, feed your children and all these different things. There's just so much to tackle when it comes to nutrition. It should be very simple. A lot of people just need to probably figure out some sort of strategy towards eating less, (laughs) Um, but easier said than done.
0: Sure. There's something in in what you said there, though, you know, speaking about your movie, is you know, this idea of hyperpalatable foods, if we could simply teach people to, because uh, and you said most people are aware of it, or we know, I don't think they do know, man. I think you and I know, I think we're in the fitness industry, we, we're aware of the, the implications of things that are, you know, causing our brain to be addicted, like the excess salt, the excess carbs, the excess fat, especially when they're mixed together. But I don't think the average people person thinks like that, right? They'll walk into a grocery store and get something that's quote unquote healthy, and then eat the whole box and eat 10 of them, right? Because it's healthy. And that's where we go wrong is because we're going to be addicted to these hyperpalatable foods. We're having a really hard time getting our brain to stop thinking about them and craving them. So even though they're quote unquote healthy, it ends up being actually worse, right? Our brain literally becomes addicted and wants more. And, that, and I think if we bring that awareness to people, um, you could do the, the world a the massive justice, man, and, and teach people like, hey, man, it's not just about um, you know eliminating donuts and pizza and cookies. It's like, you can't just replace that with the quote unquote healthy version of it because it's still calories. It's still things that it's gonna make your brain addicted to it. You have to literally change your palate. So you know, man, you haven't gone through some some bodybuilding shows, how much your palate changes during that three month or four month phase. Like there was times during my career where I would drink apple cider vinegar as a treat, and people are like, you're mental. And I was like, yes, because it tastes different than chicken and, and broccoli, right? I, put, I, buy, I buy different types of exotic sea salt because my brain was like, oh, that tastes really different and really good. Or the sweetness of a baked potato or a sweet potato, man, the, the level of appreciation of food goes through the roof. And I think everyone should go through some type of deprivation in their life so they learn to appreciate the simplicity and, and the beauty of actual real foods.
1: Yeah. Resetting your palate is huge. I think like, um, that's where a ketogenic diet can really come in, uh, really handy uh, or also like a carnivore diet. You have these foods that I would kind of consider more, uh, they're more savory than they are like sweet. And when you're on like a carnivore diet, you start to kind of think to yourself like, man, am I ever going to eat anything sweet again? And you actually, you kind of get, you kind of get locked in to where you're like, "I I don't even really care. But even like on a carnivore diet, eat something, you know, kind of off plan, like eat like an almond or something. You're like, oh, my God, I had no idea an almond tastes like that. It has so much flavor to it, it has so much pop to it that you're just you're almost confused. You're like, how come I've never uh, never noticed that before? But that is a really important thing for people to do. But like you're saying is there's a lot of fake health out there. There's a lot of products being made to try to monetize. And so you end up with a lot of keto style products, which are actually great because if I, if, if we can keep you on a plan and that's awesome, but if you're making like these keto bombs and you're doing any all the time and you're having fathead pizza and you know, if you're, you know, having all these weird recipes, well now you're kind of doing what you were doing before, which is the mixing of ingredients, which then again, what is it doing? It's making something taste better, which, you know, we don't have to be crazy about it, but We shouldn't, that shouldn't always be, every meal doesn't have to be this big ass party. Every time you have food, it doesn't have to uh, be like this giant celebration. Um, The meal is just to really nourish you. It's to, it's to, it's to get you, it's not to get you like through the day. It's to try to allow you to get something from each day, to have enough energy to, to take on each day with, with everything that you have. Uh, to be able to extract something from each day to be able to learn something from each day and unfortunately if we're eating a lot of the foods that are targeted for us we're not going to end we're not going to end up with that we're going to lose out on that
0: what I really want to get down to is training on in these different states. So I'm curious about how, if anyway, you manipulated your training while you're on a carnivore diet compared to a keto diet compared to a carbohydrate-rich diet. Are you manipulating volume or load, or, or are you noticing a difference in how your body feels? Let's, let's just talk about, you know, specific to ketogenic to start, because I know you did that for a long time. Um, what, did your, what did your training look like, um, you know, relative to what it was on a conventional bodybuilding diet?
1: I find it really interesting when people do keto and when they fast that, you know, they always talk about, they always talk about how great they feel. Um, I don't, I don't know if you necessarily feel great uh, in comparison to how good you feel like when you're in the middle of eating a steak, you know, when, when you're fasting. Right. Um, I, I think that, I think that like, you know, getting rid of some food can allow you to plow through a lot of work and it has a lot of value. Um, and also like, you know, doing a ketogenic diet can rid you of some sugars and, and help your body to, uh, start to head in the right direction in terms of losing fat, kind of retraining your palate and all these things. But when it comes to actual training, when it comes to lifting, um, especially, you know, any sort, any form of resistance training, I think that you'll always be better off with some form of carbohydrate in your system, having, uh. You know, maybe a little bit more glucose than you would have if you were fasting, a little bit more glucose than you would have if you were doing a ketogenic diet. That being said, you could still have productive workouts. You could still have a great time in your workouts. But um, I think that, you know, it'd be smart when you're on a ketogenic diet just to understand uh, that maybe your workout should be a little bit shorter. It doesn't mean that you can't work out hard. I know there's people that are listening right now. They're like, "That's a bunch of garbage." I work out for two hours on a keto diet, and I fasted for three days or whatever. And and I understand that. I I've done that as well. Um, but just from my own experience, it seems like uh, your electrolytes uh, really tend to wear out quickly. They they tend you tend to lose a lot of water, carbohydrate. They help hydrate the muscles, and that's why I do think it's important to have. Uh, some carbs in the system uh, when, when we're talking about maximum performance in the gym. So there we're, there's kind of a lot of different things that we can talk about here. But when, if you're just trying to lose weight, you're going to have to probably, uh, you're going to have to probably kiss goodbye. The actual performance in the gym being like magnificent, the performance in the gym might look different. Maybe your rest periods are shorter. Maybe the weights are a little bit lighter. Maybe the overall volume, maybe the overall time that you're in the gym is a little bit shorter. Uh, I think that would probably be a wise choice. That's what I've done whenever I go on a ketogenic diet. Uh, the workout changes up uh, slightly, and also to be clear, you know, I didn't, I didn't hit my big weights and powerlifting on a ketogenic diet. I, I just want to always try to be clear with people because, you know, I wrote a book, The War on Carbs, and it, it's a ketogenic style diet, but it's how I lost weight. It's how I got in shape. It's how I helped kind of change my life forever in terms of my physique, but not in terms of my strength. I didn't go on a ketogenic diet and squat 1,080. When I squatted 1,080, I ate everything in sight because that was just what I thought I needed to do at the time. Um, But I think, you know, a ketogenic diet, I think it would be uh, a wise decision to, you know, back off of something with your training, maybe split up your days a little bit more, maybe rather than having a four or five day split, Maybe you have like a six day split or maybe even have, um, you know, maybe even just have like shorter workouts, you know, 45 minute workouts, things like that. And then if you're going to, you know, jump into a bodybuilding style diet, I think if you're in a caloric surplus or even just uh, maintenance calories, I think you can have at it. And I think you can have some really, uh, really great workouts. Carnivore diet is a little bit probably in between the two. And that's what I like about a carnivore diet. Carnivore diet probably bridges the gap, and I don't know the information on this, but I would imagine that your blood glucose levels would probably be higher on a uh, carnivore diet than they would be. I'm trying to think if that would be accurate. On a carnivore diet, then they would be on a keto diet because on a keto diet, Should be. your yep. ketones technically would be higher and your glucose would be. I'm not saying that like the ketones aren't effective. They certainly are. What I've noticed, and keep in mind that I've been messing around with this stuff from since like the mid nineties and as an adult and and using it probably about five to seven years ago and, and also trying to power lift on a ketogenic diet. What I noticed was my best results were when I flirted with keto, when I was not necessarily in ketosis, I might get into ketosis and I'd pop back out. I'd have, you know, 50 grams of carbs, hundred grams of carbs, maybe post-workout. Maybe right. finish so off like the
0: targeted keto, right?
1: Yeah, there you go. Finish off the yep. night with like a potato or some rice with uh, with you yep. stuff like that. But you have to get yourself fit to even get to that point. You have to lose body fat if you're fat. If you're 300 pounds or something like that, you're probably not going to lose weight by following uh, something along those lines. It's it's probably the, and the reason is probably just because you're probably going to go off the diet. It's not because the protocol doesn't work. You have to be, in my opinion, things got to be kind of black and white when you first start out. And if you had, if you have, uh, never had success on a diet before, I think the only way to, to really do it is to, um, you can kind of ease your way into like get rid of soda and a couple of things. You can lose some weight that way. But I think once you've kind of gotten rid of a couple junky things, as we mentioned earlier, there's not going to be really, uh, an easy way to do something that's actually very difficult. It is going to be a full-time job at some point. It is going to take over your life. And it has to. In order for you to really change your life, you're going to have to change yourself. And that's going to be so, That's – you're with yourself 24-7. So that's the battle that we're fighting. It's not even about food. It's not about calories. It's about your uh, mindset each and every day towards how you're treating yourself. How do you
0: balance – so I know a lot of our listeners are average people. They're not in the fitness industry. How do you balance – uh, training, you know, one to two hours a day with having multiple successful
1: businesses and having a wife and kids at home? Try to just, you know, get to one, you know, that one thing at a time type of deal. Um, I, I do try to make a point to, uh, not have my kids see me on my phone. Um, I don't know how successful I am at that. I, um, I do try to delegate stuff out to other people when I'm uh, unable to do something. Um, when it comes to training, I train really early in the morning and my kids are usually asleep. A lot of times I get back from the gym and I will, uh, cook for my kids, uh, before they go for, go to school. I don't do it every day, but I, I try to do it at least a couple times a week. Um, so there's some things that I just try to make like non negotiable. You know, I, I work out in the morning and that's the time, you know, I work out you know 4 4:30 until around 6:30 or so it's just kind of depending on the day with warm up and everything like that and I'm old so it just takes me a long time um and then you know with the with the kids it's like there's certain things that aren't negotiable like you know I will always have dinner together you know almost every night um you know yeah. maybe there's i don't know a night or two a week where something else pops up and we don't have dinner together but we try to always have dinner together um I'm super interactive with their life. I ask them about school and how they're doing. And, um, you know, we're trying to always be like up to date on all the different things they have going on, trying to make sure, trying to manage their phones and manage their technology and manage their own phones, our own technology. Uh, it's all the same battle. Everybody else faces. Um, you know, as you kind of level up in life and as you do things on like a larger scale, you know, you, you build more resilience for those things, you build more, uh, willpower. You have uh, a little bit more determination and a little bit more discipline to make sure that you're getting the things done when you're supposed to be getting them done. You know, there's a lot of, you know, if if I keep pushing something off, um, then it's going to start to interfere with something else. It's going to roll over into something else. Maybe it's going to roll over into time. I could otherwise, uh, be spending with my kids trying to figure out, um, you know, where to, place your time is, is a hard one. That's probably the hardest thing is to like, you know, I do like to travel. I do like to meet other people. I do like to do podcasts. I, you know, I like doing my own podcast and, uh, it all costs, you know, it all costs a lot of time. And so the one thing, you know, my dad has kind of always taught me that I think is really important is, um, you know, just to not, you should never feel sorry for loving your work you know? And so like, I, I love my work. I love coming to the gym. I love training. I love being at slingshot headquarters. I love the interaction with all the people here. So that's, you know, that's just where I'm at. I I feel really good about all of it. I get fired up. I get excited about it, but at the same time, don't be a fool and don't get caught. Don't get so caught up in that. And if you are a, a boss or a leader, uh, in your, whatever job that you have, You know, don't think that's not more important than being a husband. You know, that's not more important than being a father. Those are the most you have to you got to rein yourself in, man. You got to every once in a while you got to like say, okay, like, you know, what are you really doing? Like you think you're like putting points up on the scoreboard for your family. It's like, no, you're actually taking away from your family. You need to get your ass home. You know, they say um, it's like Mother Teresa. She says, you know, the best way to the best way to impact the world is to go home and love your family. I'm a huge believer in that. You know, so don't think that, you know, while it's at the same time, you shouldn't feel sorry for loving your work. You should, it's okay to love your work and it's okay to be obsessed with it. It's okay to be a half, you know, to stay there half an hour late. It's okay to, you know, ha- to, to be doing some of this on the weekends and stuff, but don't do it in place of being with your kids all the time. You know, don't do it in place. You can do it in place of being with your kids here and there because that's what kids have to deal with. Kids need to learn to be on their own. Kids need to learn some self-discipline. They need to learn, they need to, they need to learn all these things and they don't want you around all the time. My kids are 15 and 11. Trust me. They don't, they don't want me around all the time. So, um, it it is not an easy thing to balance, but I think if you just try to have some rational thoughts surrounding it. And I think about the way that I grew up and I think like, you know, when I was 11, 12, 13, my dad was working a lot. And then I think my mom slowed him down and she said, Hey, you need to cool it. You need to like be around more. You need to be home more. You're not around for the kids. And he was like, Oh, I, you know, thought I was supposed to be out making money for the family. She's like, you did that already. You know, we're good. You know, get your ass home, you idiot. So he, uh, you know, he, he took her advice from that, but I, I saw everything, you know, kind of unfold that way as a kid. And I try to, you know, I try to basically just be like my dad. He's my hero.
0: I oh, do. That's super cool. And and I just want to ask kind of a few rapid fire questions here, man. And the first one being um, anything that comes to mind as being the greatest things you learned uh, while filming the movie, the recent one, The War on Carbs.
1: There's been a lot. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of great people that we've uh, that we've interviewed. And I, in a disappointing way, I'd have to say, like, the greatest thing I learned is that we don't know much. <laughs> We, we really, we really know the basics though. It seems like, it seems like we have a good, you know, when people start to talk about like ketones and mTOR and like, they start talking, they start really talking about research and science and it's like so much of that is debatable, but it does seem like the basics, uh, aren't that debatable. The The things that we know, it seems like we know them pretty good. And then there's all these other things that people really obsess over uh, that just don't really seem to be that important. I think um, guys like Stan Efforting have done a good job of like trying to simplify stuff so much that it almost fa- makes you feel dumb. You're really? yeah. like, I oh, yeah, have stupid idea. Why didn't I? Why didn't I realize? You know, he'll say compliance is a science. Not the first guy to say something like that, but yeah, let's find something that you can stick to, man. You know, um, even in, even just thinking about let's just, let's just say you want to just burn a lot of calories, right? You want to burn a lot of calories in the gym. Well, yeah, I guess we can bench press or squat or like we can figure out, but how long can you squat? How long can you deadlift? How long can you, not very long. So like what's something that has an intensity that allow you to do it for a long time to burn a lot of calories? Well, maybe you would have something like a jumping jack, right? You you know, so you kind of think about some of these things and, and how, you know, how, how can you kind of simplify and break some of these things down so we can do them on a, on a long-term consistent basis? Almost anyone can do a jumping jack. Can we take Mm -hmm. a jumping jack and, and put a jumping jack into your diet? Basically, can we, you know, my brother has I think it's one of the best quotes I've ever heard. He said, only if life could be as simple as a tricep pushdown. <laughs> I think for me, it's the greatest like meathead quote of all time because it's like everybody knows how to do that exercise. How do we right. take something like that, that movement in particular, and how do we, you know, be able to explain uh, nutrition to people in that sense? And so I think uh, probably like, uh, you know, one of the best things that, that we've heard kind of throughout the whole thing was just people kind of leaning back towards that all the time. Find something that you can do consistently. That's why I, I recommend people try try some different diets. Don't just say you can't handle carbs because you're eating pizza on the weekends. That's not a good assessment of, uh, of your uh, insulin sensitivity. You know, really, you know, tr- try a bodybuilding diet. Try some bodybuilding movements. Try some actual bodybuilding. Try working to failure, try, you know, try three sets of 10 with the same weight and try some of these different methods, try some drop sets, try uh, a ketogenic diet, try a carnivore diet and really try it, you know, try it for six weeks. Try it for two months, something like that. I think
0: that's the problem, right? It's, it's not that people aren't willing to try new things. It's, it's that they're not willing to stick with new things, right? Everyone's going to do a ketogenic diet for three days, and I feel like, shit, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm going to go eat a pizza, right? Or, hey, I'm going to do this powerlifting thing for a week, and you know, I did my two squat workouts, and I'm really sore. I can't do anymore. That's the problem in society, I find. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, so another question, man. Um, you, you, when we spoke, when I was up in Sacramento, you seemed as though or you said you're an avid reader. Three best books you've read in the last twelve months.
1: Yeah, actually I, I don't read. That's a, that's a that's a weird thing about Are you me. doing audio books? No, no. So I, I don't I um so first of all, I don't I don't like to read. I'm not very good at it. It takes me a long ass time to read. Secondly, I don't I don't uh, take in the information very well. What I have learned about myself is that I can consume information through audio with music. For some reason, I don't know why. That just where it works for uh-huh. me. So, when you were here in Sacramento, I think when you left, I sent you a few clips uh, that had that were kind of like these YouTube clips, and that's kind of a lot of stuff I listen to. Um, I'll listen to a lot of like speakers and people like that. I do get a lot from listening to podcasts and things like that as well, but. It's going to sound really weird, but I, I try not to clog up my brain with other people's thoughts. I got so much of my own things going on, um, that I'm trying to like work out and trying to fix all the time that, uh, I don't really want to fucking hear anybody else's story. I'm trying to like build my own, you know? And so, but I will, I will reference people like Paul check. I will, uh, I will listen to like Aubrey Marcus's podcast. I do follow along a lot of the stuff that you put on Instagram I follow along with a lot of that stuff. I love the thing you talked about the other day about like the lats and things like that. And I love your, um, perspective on training, training and philosophy, the mind, body, spirit, kind of entangling all those things together. I'm huge into all that. And I think that's really important. Um, I'm not advocating being a meathead and not reading, but for me, uh, it's just never been something that really, uh, worked well. If you want to like be weird and like dive down a deep rabbit hole, um, go listen to somebody like Alan Watts. That's somebody that I like. I like listening to a lot. Um, and then, uh, there's a bunch of other speak, Jim Rohn. I think you and I've talked about him before. Uh, yep. that's somebody I've learned a tremendous amount from. Um, but there's a lot of great value in, in, there's so many people right now that are out. I mean, it's like people always want to bash the internet. And they want to talk about how much bad shit there is out there. But man, there's, there's so much good out there right now. There's more millionaires in America than there's ever been before. And it's going to continue to increase. I don't know what will come of that. <laughs> that might be good. That might be bad. I don't know. But there's more and more people, uh, learning from people like Ed Milet, uh, Andy Frisella. There's just, there's just a huge wealth of, uh, knowledge out there. And I think, and Gary V, I think that, uh, reading for those people that can really, uh, absorb it is probably terrific, but I've actually never read a book. I've only written one. <laughs> very, very interesting,
0: man. How about favorite movie? I see you got the Notre Dame shirt on, man. Um, you're, you're a Rudy fan.
1: Oh, of course. Rudy Rudiker. Great movie. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Great movie. Um, I like a lot of movies, but I'd have to say, um, huge Rocky fan, you know, Rocky, Braveheart, kind of all the, uh, all the normal old school, over-the-top uh type of movies um i uh like tombstone a lot all that kind of stuff uh my wife got me into uh game of thrones she pulled me in on the last maybe like the last season basically <laughs> kind of just she ended up like you know going on a binge you know watching uh, all of them kind of leading into the next uh the the next the next season or whatever and so or, or leading into the final season, and so I uh, got caught up on some of that. That was pretty cool to watch. And um, I don't, I, I don't really watch that much TV, but it is nice. Like at the end of each day, you know, I get to uh, the end of most days, I get to uh, sit down with the wifey and and watch something. You know, whatever the hell, whatever the hell she wants to watch, I usually watch. Very cool.
0: Now you're you're growing a business, and it's it's growing exponentially, man. Congrats on that. One of the questions I wanted to bring up was. Uh, leadership as your team grows, right? So obviously we've all made mistakes in business. Um, Any pieces of advice that come to mind as have been different makers for you um, for helping lead a bigger and bigger team?
1: I think a really important thing is that, you know, I heard a quote years ago that uh, the biggest problem with communication is thinking that it ever happened. (laughs) And so like just... Just sit on that one for a while because that's huge. Like everything, everything goes, everything goes back to you. Everything's your, everything's your fault. And you, you you know, like there's things that end up being very cliche. You hear them over and over again. You're like, oh man, I can't hear this one more time. This guy is saying it now that guy's saying it. But the truth is, is that, you know, um, success is a formula and you're going to hear very similar things said by very similar people. And true leaders aren't afraid to repeat themselves. Um, You know, just like uh, when somebody's lifting, you kind of hear the same cues over and over again. You have your cues for bodybuilding. We have some of our cues for powerlifting. You might be telling someone to squeeze. But you don't just tell them once during one set of uh, cable crossovers, right? You you tell them on every rep of every set, you're giving them some sort of information, give them some sort of cue. So if you're a leader and you're like, God damn it, I can't, I can't say this one more time. This is stressing me out. I don't know how many times I got to tell these guys that's your job. Your job is to repeat yourself. You need to repeat yourself. You need to continue to communicate the core values of your company, whatever those things are at slingshot. We always say we're here to make the world a better place to lift, which is a very general statement. So it's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Well, maybe I need to describe it and and explain how we can make the world a better place to lift. Maybe one simple way would be like, hey, like in some of the videos that we have, let's show like, because people like to mess around in between the sets and they like to make fun of each other and stuff like that. Let's make sure that we show that. So we show that we're having fun. A lot of times you watch a movie and somebody's crying, you end up getting emotional. A lot of times you end up seeing somebody laugh or somebody says something funny and they laugh. It makes you laugh, Right. So trying to bring people's uh, spirits up. But as a leader, you're going to have to continue to repeat the same message over and over again and make sure that you're really, make sure you really communicated it really well. Um, Another thing here um, at Slingshot, it's great that you brought this up because I actually went to a leadership summit um, in San Diego uh, this year. And I I think a lot of times people think these things are corny and they think they're, you know, they might... um, I don't know. You you just have these different perceptions of how something's going to be because maybe you've never tried it before. It's new to you. So you think it's weird. Um, But it was fantastic, you know, and there's another one coming up in uh, Miami uh, next year. I'm hoping to go to that one as well, but it had a lot of different speakers. The common theme was, you know, everybody talked about leadership in some form and there's so many different ways to be a leader. So if you're an owner of a business and you don't really think that you're a leader, You can be shaped into being a leader over a period of time. I've told many people here that I work with, uh, you know, I don't really want to be your boss. I don't mind being like a leader. That's kind of cool. I don't mind taking that responsibility because anything that happens that's shitty here, you can just dump all that on me. Just take cartloads of that and just dump all that bullshit on me. I'll handle it because that's what a leader should be uh, should be doing. But the communication aspect of it is really important. And understand that all that the people, whether you're leading a a basketball team or whether you're leading uh, a company like mine, you're in the fitness industry, just people just want to be recognized, you know, and don't forget that. Don't lose sight of that. People are walking around every single day uh, with a freaking sign on their forehead saying, hey, give me a fucking pat on the back. (laughs) And it doesn't cost you anything to, to tell somebody thank you doesn't cost you anything to hug somebody and tell them you appreciate them. So just, you know, make sure that you're doing that shit. And, uh, it's easy to be a maniac and, and get so like intense about like the numbers and trying to do better and all these things. But, you know, take a step back, take a second and make sure that you're really loving the people because it will never be about products. It will always be about the people that are with you. Man, amazing. So
0: much wisdom. Uh, so is it true that you guys have just launched a new pre-workout?
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, started another company. We started a company called Mind Bullet and, uh, Mind Bullet is a, uh, Kratom product. Um, uh, my brother, Chris got me into it a few years back and, um, you know, I, I was very skeptical of it at first. I was like, well, I'm not really like in much pain, so I don't think I need it. And he was like, well, it does other stuff, you know, you should give it a shot. And, he twisted my arm for a while and then I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. And I tried it one day just, uh, you know, before a workout and I was like, whoa, like I was in a, like, I was super happy during that workout. Like I was telling jokes and smiling and having a good time. And my brain was going a hundred miles an hour. So I was like, yeah. And I wonder, you know, what that stuff would be like if I just took it, you know, go to a coffee shop or something like that. And so that's kind of how it started. That's how I started uh, utilizing Kratom. Kratom is uh, called Mitrogene Specioso and it's a uh, tropical tea leaf that's in the same family as coffee. Um, It has opioid-like effects, which scares everybody, but it's not an opioid. Um, it It can definitely help with pain, but I've never really used it for pain necessarily, although it does take the edge off of pain. I would maybe compare it to the way that you might feel if you had a really tight lower back and you went into like a hot tub, it's not going to cure anything, but it'll make you feel better for the moment. It's not going to like fix or repair or heal something. Um, it do- doesn't work that way. It's not like fixing connective tissue or anything like that. Um, but I really love um, Mind Bullet for pre-workout and also some pre-work stuff. A lot of times before I just so just kratom. It's just straight up kratom. Yeah, there's nothing else. Nothing yeah. else in the product. Um, one reason, like we chose to avoid the actual word Kratom, uh, just because there's so much negativity behind it. So it doesn't say Kratom anywhere on the bottle, but the actual plant name is on the bottle and we just wanted to try to deliver it in a different way. And we, we basically talk about it, um, for, for myself personally, it's helped me a lot in terms of, uh, just creativity. I think sometimes people get all bent out of shape about these different things, but if we really just think about it, there a lot of great music has been written on like things like LSD and mushrooms, marijuana. I mean, Eminem talks about uh, marijuana and also um, mushrooms and, you know, writing, you know, some of the best rap lyrics of all time. I mean, he's just one example, but there's been a lot of things have been created. Is, is Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan uh, without uh, marijuana, without, uh, mushrooms is Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger without anabolic steroids. Am I me without performance enhancing drugs? Pro probably not. Like, do I invent the slingshot even? Right. So any of these kind of products, even something like mind bullet, it's going to take you to a place you otherwise wouldn't be able to get to just like a cup of coffee. And so I'm not going to say that it's, uh, you know, not addictive and that it's not, I think everything has a, a, a cost to it. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, if you're like scared to take it, then maybe it's not for you, but I found it to be really beneficial. We've been utilizing it here at super training. A lot of the guys and girls here use it, uh, before workouts. And, um, for me, it's been, it's been highly productive. We also ran a bunch of studies on it too, before, uh, before we ever even released it. We did a meta analysis, which is simply a study of studies. We studied a lot of the studies that were already out there. We wanted to make sure that it had that it was safe. And if you if you look up kratom, you're going to see that there's like 70 deaths uh, related to kratom, but not one of them is uh, related to just kratom. There's been some mixing of other drugs and things like that in in the mix. And uh, it's my belief that it's uh, totally safe. If, I'm sure you can kill yourself with any dosage of anything if you can if you figured out a high enough amount of it. Um, but I, I found it to be highly beneficial for me. Uh, I know a lot of other people are really benefiting from it, from it right now. And it's exciting, you know, it's exciting to, uh, start up another business. I think it's, it's just going to be a matter of time before this is like, uh, you know, a CBD where it's, it'll be, uh, it's not like illegal at the moment, but it's weird to sell it. And, um, I feel good about, you know, being, uh, Kind of one of the first, at least in the fitness space, to to dive into this, even though it's um, kind of a pain in the ass to sell it.
0: Yeah, how often are you taking it?
1: Uh, I usually take about four to six of them a day. So um, they are seven hundred and fifty milligrams per capsule. So um, kind of just it kind of just depends on the day, but yeah, about four to six a day. Sometimes I'll have two or three before a workout, two or three before a podcast, something like that. Some so people. It's pretty even consistent.
0: Might. You know, take days off
1: some people even like it for sleep a lot. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. I do take days off cause like sometimes I just forget to take it. And, uh, you know, that happened you know, just, uh, happened yesterday. I was like, oh man, I forgot. Cause I went down to, um, went down to Long Beach. Um, one of my co-hosts on the, on my podcast, uh, he went and, uh, he was competing at worlds, uh, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And I went down to see him and, uh, I was on the plane and I was like, Oh, I'd really love some mind bullet right now, but I, I totally forgot to bring it with me. So it, it's not like, it's not like I'm, you know, scratching myself and being like, Oh man, I need to, I need to find some kratom, you know? So it's, uh, I take days off of it here and there. And when I don't train, a lot of times I don't take it as well.
0: Any negative effects you've experienced?
1: I haven't noticed anything negative, um, other than a dry mouth. So you get a little bit of a cotton mouth. And the other thing I noticed, uh, and this could be a deterrent. Makes you talk too much.
0: <laughs> very, very interesting, man. Very interesting. Have you ever tried it? Never. No. Mark actually gave, or uh, Chris gave me some when I was climbing the mountain last year. So I came up to your place, and I was heading straight out to um, Mammoth Mountain to climb after I was at your place. And he gave me a bottle. He goes, "Hey, man, anything goes wrong on the mountain, you pop a couple of these, you're going to be good."
1: And I never did. <laughs> never messed with it yet. Well, we'll get we'll get you on it. We'll get you. Uh, We'll get you hooked on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool,
0: man. Where else can people reach you, Mark? Obviously, in the podcast and what other websites you want to uh, send people to.
1: Really appreciate you having me on the show today, man. I'm a big fan. Been following you for a long time before you and I ever even uh, got a chance to rub elbows. Really appreciate it. Um, there's a lot of good people in this industry, and I just I want people to know that that you're definitely one of them. Appreciate the help with Thanks, uh, some of the equipment that's in the gym and stuff like that. Like. You're super kind. You're an open book, and I, I just, I love it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, like, man. Do you remember the first time we met? Oh, when's that? Do you, do you remember?
0: <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I knew who you were. I knew who you were. Uh, I think it was the 2012 Mr. Olympia. Maybe it was 2013. Oh yeah. You and your brother. You and your brother came up behind me with a camera. We we're making funny faces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, who's like who's this guy? You came up behind me, just introduced yourself. That was the first time we ever met. Yeah, bum rushing you.
1: Yeah, uh, Yeah, pretty much. You can hit up my uh, website. It's uh, markbellslingshot.com. And also you can uh, check out my Instagram, which is at Mark Smellybell. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. You're awesome, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate your time, buddy. Have
0: a good day. And that is a wrap, ladies and gents. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Muscle Intelligence Podcast with my great friend, Mark Bell. Uh, Incredible insights. As I mentioned in the beginning, Mark and I have a tremendous amount in common as far as our uh, current transition away from um, this long-term desire to be the biggest and strongest men on the planet, which was definitely a desire for both of us. It may be just different vehicles, Mark being a powerlifter, myself being a bodybuilder. uh, We both have a lot to share, a lot of wisdom, uh, and we struggled. And that's why we are now able to succeed and teach and hopefully lead a great conversation for you to really, really benefit and apply to your body. So some of the big takeaways from this podcast for me, Um, this idea of not being attached to one way or the other, right? And and how can you find a diet that works well for you? And and first of all, identifying what are the outcomes you're trying to achieve? So if I'm trying to be really, really mentally focused on certain days, well, I probably don't want to eat a tremendous amount of carbohydrate. I probably don't want to eat a tremendous amount of food. If I'm trying to be very anabolic, I'm trying to build muscle, I'm trying to recover, well, food is a very important aspect. Um, So looking at, you know, how do I use food as a tool to achieve a desired state rather than myopically being focused on, well, I'm a vegan or I'm a keto or I'm a carnivore or whatever, I'm a bodybuilder. F- use food as a tool to acutely, short-term, serve its purpose. If I want to fuel a workout, well, chances are I probably don't want to wake up in the morning and eat celery all day, right? I need something that's going to fuel training, fuel intense muscle contraction. That means maybe I need some fats. Maybe I need some carbohydrates. After a workout, I'm going to break some down some muscle. I certainly need some protein, right? So look at it with an intelligent approach rather than just myopically being attached to, oh, I, I'm, I'm a ketogenic dieter, okay, is that serving your purpose? If your purpose is losing fat, that may be a really, really good approach. If your purpose is gaining muscle, well, it's still a great approach for some people. And most importantly, maybe it's a great approach that we can make better if we learn when to strategically add in some targeted carbohydrates, which I've talked about in previous episodes with uh, Jordan Joy and Ryan Lowry. So if you guys are interested in that type of approach, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash keto, and I'm going to hook you up with a free ebook written by myself and my great friend Danny Vega, which I mentioned in the mid-roll for this podcast, um, muscleintelligence.com slash keto. Everything you need to know about um, the five mistakes you are making or everyone is typically making when trying to build muscle on a ketogenic diet. You're going to love it. It's awesome. Danny and I spent a tremendous amount of time on it. Spent a lot of time training together. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. And I really, really appreciate it. If you head over to iTunes, leave us a review and subscribe because subscriptions drive the podcast and allow us to bring you the best information on the planet, the best guests, and uh, really get our, our message out there. I love teaching this stuff. I love having great conversations. And hopefully, you guys are getting great value from the show. So share it with at least one person you know that will love it. One person that you know will benefit from this conversation I've had today with Mark or any of the other conversations we've ever had here on the Muscle Intelligence Podcast or previously on the Muscle Expert Podcast. Have an amazing day. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys soon.